Take your Bibles and for the last time this year, turn to Hebrews, please. We will finish chapter 11 today. We will finish our four-part series entitled By Faith. In January, February, I'll pick this back up. There's some really important stuff to cover in 12 and 13. And I do want to finish the entire book. And so I will pick it back up. But starting next week, I have a series of Christmas messages. The first is Has the Grinch Stole Christmas? Now, I know you've heard that. It's not based on the movie, by the way. We're not doing Christmas at the movies. We're doing uh, different messages each week. This one, though, does have a little connection to the, old, the, the book, the original book. Um, and so we will look at an Old Testament text, then we'll come back into the new, and then I'll give you a couple of traditional, more traditional, Luke 2 Christmas messages that uh, hopefully will, will be a real encouragement over the course of the next month. That being said, though, I want to finish well today, and I love the way this is going to come together. At the end of our time together today, I, I think that you're going to be touched. I think you're going to be moved, and it was so good to see what God did last hour and how we're going to bring this all together. It's been something that uh, I think the Lord has been working out for many months now, and you'll see how it comes together. Uh, we should know this verse by now if you didn't already have it memorized. So let's say it, then we'll put, it'll be mostly blanks, and then we'll say it again. But let's say Hebrews 11.1 1, as we're defining faith, all right? Join me. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Doesn't mean it's not real. There are a lot of things you believe in that you don't see, right? But it is really substantive. It's a foundational concept, and it has great evidence. It's not blind. There's evidence. But just because we don't see everything today does not make it so. So let's say it again, this time with a lot of blanks. You ready? Here we go. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You've got it. You've got it. Now make sure you hide it in your heart. Make sure when, when the enemy's coming at you and when he's trying to get you to doubt, you quote that right back because there's power in the word of the Lord. Remember that faith is choosing to live as though the word of God is true, regardless of circumstances, emotions, or cultural trends. We're not worried as people of faith about the consequences. We trust God with those. We have confident obedience to the word. We have a living trust that combines intellectual assent and living active trust. That is faith. It is, in summary, belief that changes or impacts behavior. That is faith. We have learned 12 different general truths from Hebrews 11 so far. I want to repeat those to you, but before I do, I found a great sort of overarching video. It does bleed into chapter 12, just a smidgen that we'll pick back up in January, but I do want you to see this video. I think it's very powerful. It's very short, but watch this synopsis of what we've discovered and what we'll discover today by faith. Faith, what is it? Being sure of our hope, convinced of what we can't see. By faith, we understand the world was set in order at God's command. By faith, 
Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and for his faith, God commended him as righteous. By faith, Noah trusted God and constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, believing God would still fulfill his promises. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. By faith, God's chosen nation crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and praised him as it swallowed up the Egyptians. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped destruction because she welcomed the spies in peace. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, David, and the prophets. By faith, they administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire. But others were imprisoned, murdered, and wandered in deserts, mountains, and openings in the earth. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So get rid of every weight, of every sin, and run, run with endurance the race set before us. your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the champion and guide of our faith. For promised joy, he endured the cross, thought nothing of its shame, and having risen again, has been handed his deserved glory at the right hand of the throne of God. None of this makes sense without looking to Jesus. None of the shame, none of the suffering, none of the sorrow that our forefathers would face or that you will face will make sense unless you can see it in light of eternity. I want to remind you of the things we have learned and then I want to add three more to give you 15 truths upon which you can hang your hat. And I could have given you 25 or 30 or 50, but at some point I do want to finish the book of Hebrews. And so I want you to listen to these 12 and then let's add three more to it today. By faith, we obtain a good testimony. These that we've heard of before us obtained a good testimony, and their legacy continues to live by faith. By faith, we understand creation and time. Don't let those who don't believe in God try to fool you into thinking that they hold their beliefs without faith. None of us were there. We know creation and time by faith. By faith, we please God. By faith, we receive righteousness and salvation. By faith, we can learn to obey God completely. By faith, we experience miracles. And by faith, we learn to wait for the fulfillment of God's promises. By faith, we bless others. And by faith, we protect our children at all cost. By faith, we choose eternal riches over temporal pleasure. And by faith, we revere God more than we fear others. And finally, as we concluded last week, we learned that by faith, we secure deliverance instead of facing death. And you say, well, wait a minute there. You just heard about people that are killed for their faith. Well, I'm speaking of the second death, the death that separates us forever from our Creator. You do not have to fear that death when you trust Christ. So what are we learning? Well, we've got a few more truths that we want to take in today. So stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. 
And let's read 30 to 40. Hebrews 11, 30 to 40. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. They didn't come down by the shout. They didn't come down by the footsteps of the people. They came down by faith. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who, she did, or those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. This is such a funny, eclectic group of men and women that are going to get named here. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, watch this, did not receive the promise. Why? Because it would come thousands of years later. In fact, we're a part of the promise. Look, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now that connects all those Old Testament saints to those receiving this letter, and I will argue even to us today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this powerful conclusion to this amazing chapter of Scripture. Thank you for the truths we have learned and those which are before us now. Help us to remember even as we just scratch the surface, there is so much here. And even the writer of this great book says, time will not permit a a retelling of the incredible history of faith before us. But Lord, we probably have people in our own lives. I think about grandparents and others in my own life that have lived a life of faith, a legacy that has now been passed down that I pray will continue to be passed down to the next generation and the next and so forth. Bless our time here today as we conclude this series. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now let's get the next truth. It's one on your outline. It's actually number 13, but... Here we go. By faith, we overcome every obstacle, okay? By faith, we overcome every obstacle. You say, there's no way that's true because sometimes things get us and we don't find victory. Well, if you're a Christian, there's always victory, right? Because Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain, So I'm going to get victory one way or the other. If I'm walking with Christ, I am victorious. And so the writer of this section, the writer of the book here is basically stating that he could provide much more evidence and many more examples, but he doesn't want to strain the reader. Some of those ancient rhetoricians, those that were famous for rhetoric, they were known even in law courts to display eloquence for hour after hour after hour after hour and just wouldn't stop talking. Today in the political sphere, we call that a filibuster. And the writer's basically saying, look, I don't want to wear you out here 
But the point is, I could name them over and over and over and over. So many people displaying faith. And so he's going to pass over the wilderness wandering, and he's going to resume his story with the first difficulty the Hebrews would face when they went across the Jordan. Now, having been there and seen this for myself, it's from where we now call the kingdom of Jordan, the land that lies uh, east of the Jordan River. When you look west and you cross the Jordan, one of the first fertile places that your eye would behold would be full of date palms and full of greenery because there's a lot of water there in the wilderness. Still is to this day. There's still water wells there. There's still uh, springs there, and it's called Jericho. Now, nothing's ever been rebuilt on ancient Jericho. The Bible teaches us about that. That's still um, basically rubble on ancient Jericho. But modern Jericho, which is right next door, you can see how when they came across the Jordan, entering into the promised land, this was their first great challenge. And this was a very well-fortified city. It had a lot of resources. And yet the Bible says that the walls of this city came down by faith. Y'all know the story. They crumbled. And then there's the mention of a very interesting lady with a very interesting profession. Her name is Rahab. She's a prostitute. And so she gets mentioned by name. She hid some spies the spies going to look at the promised land. And so she's rewarded for that. She and her family are saved. And she believed that God was working, even when there were things that she couldn't have possibly understood. And then you have six characters that would be named from the period of the judges to the establishment of the Davidic monarchy. And one Bible scholar said it like this, the faith which is exemplified in these verses is undaunted, adventurous, and diversified. I love that because when I look at the names of those outlined in verse 32, they're vastly different personalities, vastly, vastly different social circumstances and even spiritual opportunities, but God used them all. God did not press them into a mold like little automatons. The Old Testament and the New Testament are full of colorful characters. Highly, highly flawed men and women that God used in great ways. Think about this for a moment. Gideon. He is a weak man from a wimpy family. God finds him hiding. He's scared to death of the Midians, and yet he would soon defeat them with just a few hundred men. Samson was very superficial as a womanizer. Barak was hesitant. Jephthah was reckless. David was lustful. Samuel was careless. John Calvin, the great reformer, said this, There was none of them whose faith did not falter. In every saint, there's always to be found something reprehensible. Nevertheless, although faith may be imperfect and incomplete, it does not, it does not cease to be approved by God. There is no reason, therefore, why the fault from which we labor should break us or discourage us, provided we go on by faith, in the race of our calling. See, some folks don't want to follow the call of God because they don't believe they have the right ability. God is not calling you to serve him today because of your ability. He's simply asking you for availability. If you will put your yes on the table, if you will sign the blank check, the blank sheet of paper, and let God fill in the details, you will be amazed what the Lord will do with your life. It is an awesome thing to let God use you when you know you're not worthy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1 is really 
sort of the, 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 the perfect expression of my own life. Look at this. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Why does God do that? Because if God only chose the big, beautiful, strongest, brightest, and best, then they would often take the credit and God wouldn't get the glory. But God chooses this interesting cast of characters, and he's been doing it from then till now, including us. And God said, I'm going to change the world through them. God wants us to remember that when the giants fall and the obstacles are overcome, it's not by our strength or our skill. It is by his power and his sovereignty and his might and his love because then he gets the glory. It is not about us. It will never be about us. It is not about me or you. It is not even about Grace Baptist Church. It is about the God of grace and Christ who is the head of his church, universal. It's about him, and it always will be about him. When we saw God saving all those souls last week and we celebrated in a few days' time 28 baptisms, that's because God chose to show up and do something great, not us. You know, I was running from God. I was running from God from 96 to 98. I knew God called in 96, and I ran for a few years as I was sharing with our brothers a few months or a month or so ago. And the thing is, it kept coming back to me, 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 me. Look at what you've done. Look at what you haven't done. Look at what you can do. Look at what you can't do. Man, listen, I hated to read. I did survive school by reading like synopses of books and stuff. And I'm sorry if I have any English teachers that still watch or listen, but I cheated. I'm sorry, okay? And I made it through because I couldn't stand to read. And the thought of taking the big, thick, scary Bible that had so much I didn't understand and sitting down to read it terrified me. But the more I learned that it wasn't about me then and it can't be about me now and that God could use those who stumble and fall and that whether we were soaring like an eagle or running or just walking and not fainting, if we would wait on the Lord, we would trust in the Lord, if we would hope in the Lord, God would do something great. Some of y'all are still just chilling and not serving because you think you're not good enough. Note, you can write it down if you want, you're not good enough. That's okay. God is worthy. God is good. God takes these broken jars of clay, these broken vessels, and he remolds us and remakes us. And by faith, we overcome every obstacle. But don't think it's going to be easy. Watch. Number two, by faith, we gain strength through suffering. Chirito got it right. Faith through suffering. Now, don't think that when you look at point one, by faith, we overcome every obstacle. Yay! I love that version of Christianity. I don't have anything to worry about. Well, you haven't been a Christian very long then. 
Look at what God can accomplish through people of faith. I'll just quickly skim 33 and following. Uh, the kingdoms were subdued. They obtained promises, stopped lions' mouths, quenched fire, uh, went by the edge of the sword, were valiant in battle. Women received, raised loved ones. They were tortured. Some of them were martyred. They had trials of markings and scourgings and chains of imprisonment. They're stoned. Some of them were even sawn in two. They're tempted and slain and destitute and wearing all this, this strange like goat skin and sheep skin and look at all of these things. Well, we know what most of that's a reference to, right? We know that when he talks about shutting the mouths of lions, there's Daniel. We know that when he talks about the fire, there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that it talks about escaping the edge of the sword. This fits with various Old Testament leaders and prophets, bringing the uh, raising from the dead. We know that Elijah did that with the widow's son. We know that Elisha did that with the Shunammite woman's son. We see these things, bonds, imprisonment, even being sawn in two. Tradition tells us that the great prophet Isaiah was likely sawn in two. They literally cut through his body to try to get him to recant and stop prophesying for the Lord. And others wandered in sheepskin and goatskin. Again, Elijah, Elisha. Later that would set um, sort of a pattern for the prophets and we would find that John, John the baptizer would come and he would be wearing animal skins as well. And I want to share a few stories with you. Just a couple. Maybe you've heard some of these. Maybe you haven't. I was just researching and I found some of these and So I just narrowed it down to a few. And I want to tell you, as amazing as some of these people are that I'm about to tell you about, that you got to listen to the end of the story. Got to hear the whole thing. This young fellow did not speak until he was four years old. He really didn't have the best childhood. In fact, many people thought he was a dud. His elementary school teachers thought he was lazy and would never make anything of itself. And he generally received good marks in school, but they said his head was in the clouds, conjuring up abstract questions that nobody could really understand. But he kept thinking, and he would eventually develop a very important theory called the theory of relativity. Most of us still can't get our heads wrapped around it, but this brainiac's name is Albert Einstein. This kid's parents could only afford to keep him in school until his 10th birthday, but that didn't stop him from pursuing his education. He taught himself through voracious reading and eventually went on to invent several important things. He would become one of America's founding fathers. His name, Benjamin Franklin. Many of us know the story of Thomas Edison, who created his first sustained working light bulb after trying unsuccessfully many, many times. When asked repeatedly by reporters about his failures, Edison wisely replied, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. (laughs) She is one of the most well-known and wealthiest people in the world today, but things didn't start out easy for her. She grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and was repeatedly molested not only by her cousin, but also her uncle and a family friend. She eventually ran away from home and at age 14 gave birth to a baby boy who shortly died thereafter in infancy. Thankfully, this young lady began to excel as an honor student in high school and won an oratory contest which secured her a full scholarship to college. Now the entrepreneur and media personality has influence over millions and her current net worth sits at $2.8 billion. Her name is Oprah Winfrey. Now, when I think of Oprah, or when I think of all those who overcame great obstacles, I want to remind us of this, for all of their intelligence and inventions and influence and worldly wealth, 
Without the Lord Jesus Christ, it is just a vapor that is here today and gone tomorrow. And so for some of these, they have claimed to know the Lord. For others of these, they outright denied faith in the Lord and specifically Jesus Christ. And I would tell you, for all of their worldly fame and for all that they overcame, without Jesus, it won't matter in a million years. It doesn't even really matter now for those that have passed. And I want us to remember that you can face the challenges that this life brings, but you will overcome them in the next life if you walk with Christ by faith. By faith, we overcome every obstacle. By faith, we gain strength through struggles. And by faith, and I love this, we just keep on keeping on. (laughs) Nothing glitzy, nothing glamorous, Nothing necessarily to write home about. We just get up and put one foot in front of the other. Really, if you look at the last few verses of this chapter, it just basically says, look, the world was not worthy of these folks. They just kept on wandering in the deserts and the mountains and the dens and the caves, but they obtained a good testimony through faith, but they did not receive the promise yet. They were looking ahead to something better. They anticipated God's fulfillment of his promise. They needed further revelation of Christ, and they did not get to see it all in their lifetime. But look at what verse 40 says. God, having provided something better for us. That means, contextually, those Jews who became Christians who were still living at this time and who are reading this letter. But I would say it also comes all the way to Christians today. Those people of faith, it says, they should not be made perfect apart from us. What what in the world does that mean? Well, listen, without Christ and the completed sacrifice, their hope would have had no foundation. And he said, now, speaking of those living then, now those living have witnessed the resurrected Christ. Well over 500 have seen him with their own eyes. You even know some people that have seen him, as he's saying then. And he's saying that together, their promises are fulfilled, but even with us. Listen to this. Raymond Brown, he wrote a book, The Message of Hebrews. He said, perfection or fulfillment would come through a new covenant by an eternal legacy made possible because of a better sacrifice. The household of God, and I'm going to say the household of faith or the family of faith through the ages, consists of faithful participants in the old covenant and in members of the new covenant. All alike are redeemed by Christ, the only perfecter of everyone's faith. Thomas Leah, who wrote a commentary on this, said, The promises for which believers eagerly awaited appeared only in Christ. Their faith earned for them a remarkable reputation and favor with God. They lived and died in the hope of a fulfillment which none of them saw on this earth. Now track with me here. Again, from last week, they were over here looking forward to the Messiah, looking forward to the promised deliverer. They never got to see him, but he came. The Bible is full of prophecies. In fact, the whole world has been changed because of him. Our entire calendar is restructured because of him. He literally split time. And so in the perfect fulfillment of time, God sent Christ through the virgin's womb as we are going to celebrate this month. And he sent him with a perfect plan and a perfect 
purpose. And Jesus Christ fulfilled that plan and purpose. He took our sin and shame at Calvary. It was paid for there. He was buried and by the power of God raised the third day. And they were looking ahead to this perfect fulfillment. But they didn't see it. You did have a generation or two to witness, but now you come these 2,000 years later. We didn't see it either, but we looked back by faith, just as they looked ahead by faith. None of us saved by law, none of us saved by good works, none of us saved by the church or by some priest, only saved by Christ. And together we form the family of faith, and genuine faith will persist to the end. Emotional decisions do not last, but true faith will continue. It is a seed that is planted that will produce good fruit and fruit that remains. And so as part of the family of faith, what is our responsibility? Keep going. Keep on keeping on. I don't have to reinvent the baton. I don't have to reinvent that which was handed to me. I don't have to be cute or creative. I don't have to come up with crazy things to make it attractive. I proclaim the truth. I pass it on to the next generation. Man, do you not think a father's heart is proud when he sees his son over here leading us to worship or his daughter over there playing for the glory of God or knowing that his other kids are in the back changing diapers to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? That is a wonderful privilege privilege because you pass along that which was passed to you. You don't change it. You don't get weird with it. You simply proclaim it. You give it away. Don't quit. Don't go backwards. Don't reject the one who paid the price for you. By faith, we overcome every obstacle. By faith, we gain strength through suffering. By faith, we keep on keeping on. Now, sometimes it seems disconnected when we talk about people who lived so long ago. Listen, if you are saved today, you're going to go to heaven one day, you can ask Moses yourself how he dealt with those crazy, ornery people in the wilderness, okay? You can talk to David about some of those battles, and you, you can meet Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You'll have eternity to get to know folks and hear their stories. I'm excited. I have a lot of questions. There are some things I want to know, right? And so I want to talk to these, these, this cloud of witnesses that has gone before us. But sometimes it is hard for us to really connect with their struggles because I know it's different. We're living in 2023, man. But I was so touched several months ago at our first big men's event of the year with a testimony from one of my brothers and friends. I got to know him early in our time here, and I love this family. And I want you to hear his story, and um, I want to close in a very special way today. And so I want you to be blessed by this and listen to how God is still working through the struggles by faith. They told me to run. They were going to count to five. And I ran between my mom's house. She heard the gunshots. She asked me the next morning. She said, Junior, were those gunshots for you? I said, no. I said, no.
I was raised down South Florida, and um, it was pretty much in the play, in the areas where everybody just ran up to cars and sold drugs to them. So I picked up that habit, as, and I had an uncle that was bringing that stuff in from Texas, and um, so it was easy for me to get and to be able to sell in small bags. And at the age of 14, 15, there I was in the street moving drugs. After that lifestyle, years go by, and I ended up here in Knoxville and um, started going to church because I was searching for this God that my grandma was saying, she would say, si Dios quiere in Spanish. Si Dios quiere in Spanish is if it's God's will. So that's the God that I was looking for. Well, here I come to Tennessee, smoking, drinking, snorting all the way up the road. Ran out trying to buy some more liquor, but it was Sunday. So yes, I was struggling to finish the rest of the, the path to getting up here. When I got here, though, I started going to church with my dad and my stepmom. It's a little country church off of Chapman Highway. I ran into a relationship there at church, and um, it wasn't what I was looking for, but I was lonely and um, went deeper into the relationship. It caused me to start drinking again. And when I started drinking, I always needed the other drug, which is cocaine. That was the biggest high that I had. I started becoming this man here in Knoxville that would go to um, these restaurants here local, I won't say which ones, but um, I was the man that was coming to deliver all the time sitting at the bar. Well, I met my wife, we ended up getting married and kind of started fading away from what I did. She didn't know what I was doing. She just wondered why everybody came and talked to me at the bar. But eventually I started fading away from it. I didn't want her to know about it. And we ended up getting married. Well, marriage problems came along with marriage and I didn't know how to deal with that. I always walked away. She gets pregnant, and um, we have Zach. And um, going back into my drinking, going back into my cocaine, and then started coming to grace when Zach was born, because we wanted to raise him in good church. When you start coming to church, and you start arguing on the way to church, and then you go sit down like nothing never happened. I ended up telling her, we're sitting there and we can tell we we're mad at each other. And uh, I got up, I said, I'll be back when service is over to pick you up. And she goes, no, you won't, because I'm going with you. And let me tell you, the look of our face walking out was not a good look. So I was kind of embarrassed, but I let, it kept me away for 13 years from Grace while she still singing in the choir. And I went on to drinking, doing what I did best. Of course, I started moving larger amounts of what I sold. Well, one day, they came home after weekend after weekend. Dad would be in the bathroom. My wife started screaming. She knew what I was doing. Well, next thing you know, it got real quiet, you know. To hear my son on the other side of the door, five years old, crying out to God. Say, God, please help my daddy with his sickness. He did not know what I was doing, but he knew mom told him I had a sickness. That right there, it's like I know I needed to do something to myself. I know I needed to do something. And it was hard to quit. I would have quit for months weeks, and then right back to it again when times got hard. Ended up moving out 
And it's like, Lord, I'm done. I said, oh, what am I going to do? So I got a son. I don't want him to be like me. I said, I don't want him to be like me. I got on my knees. And I cried out to God. I said, God, here I am. I'm done. I said, show me who you are. This day, as I was on my knees, I had this vision on my mind with Jesus at the cross, and I kneeled at the foot of the cross. And I was there, as I was there crying to God, wash me with the blood of Jesus. Show me who you are. I'm done. I am so done with myself. I had no idea how to be a father, and I didn't have a father figure from growing up. Dad was always working, you know, when he was at home. He would work day and night, and there's a lot of men that are in the same shoes. But prayer every day is, God, help me to be the father you call me to be. Let it be all of you, none of myself. And that is my biggest prayer. All of you, none of myself. I know who I can be, 30 years of it. That's 30 years of darkness. That no matter how deep you dig your hole, the beauty of God, he goes deeper to yank you out of that hole. And he'll teach you to be the father he called you to be. Would you guys give a grace welcome to the Morales family this morning as they join me on the platform? We have Alfredo, who you've been hearing from, his wife Becca, their son Zach, and their daughter Hannah. Come on back up. Let's do it one more time, okay? Are you ready? Come on over here. So, Alfredo's testimony really touched me. I knew Alfredo um, early on our time here um, and just got to know his family a little bit better. But I just wanted to bring them up and let you hear part of his story. Some of you fellas heard that at our first man night before we got outside and started throwing axes and uh, had a good time. But it was such a powerful word, my friend. I just want you to follow up here and and uh, before you do that, though, I want to show something of this young man, because the faith of a father getting passed down to a son, uh, Zach's got a job. You're doing electrical work these days? Plumbing. plumbing work. That's right, plumbing. And he got a hard hat, and he decided he wanted to be a witness to his coworkers and the people around him. So I want you to look at what he's put on his hard hat. He's got 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is the little boy that was outside the bathroom praying for the father, who's now come to faith himself, and we're proud of you, proud of you for standing strong for the Lord. Alfredo, I just want you to share a couple of thoughts that you have down. He's going to receive the academy, and he's just going to share a couple of thoughts with you guys. Very powerful stuff here. Go ahead, my friend. Yes, uh, what I would like to share with the church, that on January the 10th, year 2010, on my knees, desperately crying out to God to heal me from that 30-year battle, my prayer was to, for God to wash me with the blood of Jesus. With the experience I had that day, I believe that when the Holy Spirit moves in, I experienced I had no need for the beer, liquor, cigarettes, and the use of cocaine and marijuana. By faith, I believe God healed me. I thank God for his presence in my life this day. And since that time, I had a prayer that just, I read times that I'm up in the morning reading my devotion. It's Psalms 51, 10 and 11. 
is God creating me a clean heart. O oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast away your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me because without God, I can do nothing. Amen. You know, David wrote that in his repentant heart. Yeah, give him praise. And um, those words from so many years ago, God gave to you as well. Yes. And you can pray them now. Becca, I want you to just share. She jotted down a few things and um, spoke very, very well in the first hour. No pressure. It was fantastic. Just do it again. No pressure. But I want her to just share her heart with you as well as a praying wife. Um, so there, there's plenty more to say. And if anybody ever wants to talk to us, we are more than happy. We struggle. We still struggle. Our marriage is nowhere near perfect. Um, but I do want to say that what you do in life matters for a long time. Because the one of the biggest reasons I can stand here is because of my parents. They're godly people. They have left a legacy. They're married 53 years to this day, not through perfect times at all. They've had their tough times. My grandparents as well. But they have um, poured into me from the day I was born, and they've taught me about the Lord and His faithfulness. Um, our marriage wasn't what it ever should have been to begin with. But um, I, I was pretty naive um, and loved this good-looking Mexican. Um, <laughs> hey, when you got it, you got it, you know. But then he didn't do things right, and then I thought I could change him. I'd scream at him, I'd threaten him, I'd do the silent treatment, I'd walk away, all kinds of stuff. But you can't do it. You can't change him. Yeah. I could never do anything. That was God's job. So don't, don't try. It's, it's a lot of heartache if you do it the wrong way. Mm. Um, it's not perfect at all, but... God is faithful. He's still working on us. We have gorgeous children, I'm not biased, um, <laughs> who've grown up here since they were six and seven days old. This is, this is home. This is the people you need around you, a whole family, to um, raise your family up in. Um, and they've both come to know the Lord because of God's faithfulness and Fredo's transformation and depending on the Lord. Um, so we've been coming to grace for about 20 years. So when the Bible tells you not to forsake the assembly, it's not just because it's a cool thing to do or just because God needs you here. Um, this has been a home. I used to almost run here just because it was better than home. And this is where I found encouragement. This is where I found my godly friends that stick with me through thick and thin. I've prayed, and I, I think they changed the carpets, honestly, because I had too many salty tears all over <laughs> it. Um, but this, this altar, this, this whole family of faith has helped with the kids, with me, and eventually brought the, Fredo back to the Lord. Um, so even if you think you don't need the church, maybe somebody here needs you. That's right. Um, and then I also want to say one last thing, that no matter what you're going through, God is faithful. His power is made perfect in your weakness because we are nothing but weak. Um, and his grace will keep you and, give you and he'll give you everything you need for that moment. He won't give you extras, so don't act like you won't need them for a minute. He'll just give you exactly what you need, and that will keep you. And that's in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Yeah. Amen. 
Give this uh, family a big round of applause here. Um, man, I'm, I'm proud, proud of these guys, and um, I'm proud to call them friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I wanted to give you a modern example. We've been reading about all of these characters, but you're going to have to get up and move by faith. You just try to stay where you are and do it on your own or change them on your own. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to feel defeated. But there is no obstacle too great that God cannot overcome. And so I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to have pastors and counselors available. We had decisions made last hour. I believe there'll be more today. I believe we've already had some come to Christ this morning. Thank you for being faithful to share your story. Um, I want you to be free to come. If you need to pray with somebody, if you need to share, if you need to get some godly counsel, if you need to come and give your life to Christ, why not today? See Christ high and lifted up. See his blood shed for you. See that empty tomb and just tell him, I can't. Because when you get to that place, he can. And he'll take you and he'll change you and transform you. And that in and of itself is also a process. And so we'd ask you to come to be saved. We'd also ask, and I read something yesterday that I thought was fascinating. And it said a lot of people, when we talk about they're lost, they'll say, I don't know what you mean. I don't, I don't think I'm lost. And the writer that was doing the notes in my study Bible said, of course they're lost. They don't know how they got here because they don't believe in a God who created them. They don't know what the purpose of their life is now. And they don't know where they're going. That is the definition of being lost. And so if you want all of those questions filled, how, why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I going? Jesus Christ is the answer to all of that. He will give your life meaning and purpose so that you can pass along that which has been passed to you. So come today. If you need to come back and resurrender, if you need to put some of those salty tears on the floor, you know what? We put carpet tiles down this time so we can just take up a tile here and a tile there. So you can come today and you can leave it before the Lord. As I pray for this wonderful family, I pray for you also. And as Jeff sings this great song that he's written for us from straight out of the Psalms, uh, 91, I believe, right? Um, I want you to come and do your business with God. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for my friends here. Thank you for Alfredo. Thank you for Becca and her faithfulness. Thank you for Zach and praying for his dad and for being a witness now. Thank you for precious Hannah here, Lord. Her name means grace. And so I pray that we would never tire of celebrating your amazing grace. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for their openness to share their story. I pray more of us would be willing to do that because I believe it really impacts others when we share what God's done in our life and what he continues to do. Lord, help us to keep on keeping on in the faith. It's not perfect, but we're growing. We're becoming more like you. And even when we stumble and when we fall, you will pick us back up because you're the God of another chance. So move us in these final minutes together to bring you glory and praise and respond as your spirit leads us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.